0: The, the false start, your expression. I looked across the table at you, and you I had was like, ready. "I was ready for you." I yeah, but it was like I was timing you. I was wondering what what is he thinking right now. I, Just, I was t-
1: I was waiting for you to come in so I could jump in with my boom boom because we're dropping Bible bombs today. Bible bombs, Bible Bible bombs. truths.
0: Yeah, I so there's this random Instagram account out there that are these youth pastors that have other youth pastors write it and tell them awful stories of what happened and. That reminds me of one guy who wrote in and said they were doing a a scavenger hunt around their city. Can we do this? Can we tell somebody else's podcast story on our podcast? I think you can. It's It's game Inception. Yeah. The podcast. Anyways, they wanted to clue the, the students into what were clues around the city. So they dropped them off in big boxes that had the name of their youth group on the box. Well, the name of their youth group was Ignite. Oh. So they dropped off all of these massive boxes around their city that all said "ignite" on them, and when one of the groups got to the first one, it was downtown, and the street was cordoned off, and they had police there to and the bomb
1: squad to to check out the ignite
0: deal box. with the box.
1: Yeah, I understand that.
0: Yeah. So Best we're not dropping those kind of Bible bombs.
1: No, no. I heard a similar story. Uh, it was a newscast, actually. It was one of the the newscast bloopers, where I guess someone went to uh, like a grocery store, or a department store, something like that, and one guy. Or gal, I forget who it was actually. They were exiting the bathroom and they said, Don't go in there, there's a bomb in there. <laughs> and so the person hears it, and of course they're 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 seriously terrified, so they go alert management and they go do the whole thing. And let's just say it wasn't what they thought. No. They that it was. Somebody dropped a bomb. Someone dropped a bomb in there. Yeah. But it wasn't uh it wasn't a bomb. It
0: wasn't like the Acme bomb from no. Roadrunner or anything nope, else. Not like, like that. that. Yeah. Dude, Roadrunner.
1: Do you ever watch Roadrunner growing up? I did. It was was my mascot from elementary school. Was it? Yeah.
0: Huh. I was the Robinson Razorbacks.
1: Oh, that's kind of threatening.
0: Yeah. Robinson well, Razorbacks a hog.
1: Yeah. Like a wild hog. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Robinson
0: Elementary School. I think it's a middle school now out here. It's in Plano. So maybe somebody knows, but yeah, that's where I went to middle school. Razorbacks. Well, elementary school. Yeah.
1: Oh, very interesting. And then we were
0: the Trojans from then on because I went to Trinity Christian Academy and we were the mm. Trinity Trojans. Mm. Yeah.
1: We had like the helmet as our logo and stuff. Sounds fun. What was your mascot? For what? High school. Uh, Lancer. Okay. Lancer. Yeah, it was very regal. Yes. Very regal, very uh, very dignified. That's Cal Baptist too, right? Cal Baptist? Yeah, I think so. They're the Lancers. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. I, now that you say that, I I do think that that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, go Lancers. Yep. All right. What was your uh, college mascot? The Mustangs. The Mustangs. Monty the Mustang. Monty? That's Monty. the best they could come up with? I don't know, dude. It was- Mac- Monty? It was, I,
0: they they like have the been, kind of guy you'd make fun of. Should have been MacArthur the Mustang. MacArthur the Mustang. The Mustang.
1: <laughs> that would make a lot more sense.
0: I think that's going to have to be posthumous, though, for MacArthur. I don't think they're going to name the mascot after him while he's still- I think they should. I. He showed up. He would come to the basketball games and sit with the students regularly. Oh, cool. Yeah, kind of a cool thing. I like that. Yeah. It was fun. If you guys don't know who we're talking about, John MacArthur. I went to master's university college at the
1: time. Hung out with him. uh, Yeah, we were tight. We were super tight. Me and J-Mac. I saw him. So after, I forget what it was. was, Either it was a a service that I went to or it was a shepherd's conference. I can't remember the exact context, but I was at the Shell station down the block next to the 5 freeway. Uh Uh-huh. And there he was fueling up his Honda. I want to say it was an Accord. And I was like, man, John MacArthur puts his own gas in his tank. Did you say hi? No, I was too I was too shy. He's yeah. like, what am I going to say to him? Hey, buddy. Oh. What's up, J-Mac? <laughs> hey.
0: My wife and I saw him and his wife out in uh, Santa Clarita when we were on a date, and they were getting coffee at Starbucks. And so we Aww. we said hi and shook his hand, and that was about it. That was it, huh? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Hey, we're here not to talk about mascots or John MacArthur. Or, we're talking about meeting the real MVP. Whoa. Mic drop. Mic drop. Speaking of dropping. Let's do it. Psalm seven, Psalm eight. In uh, Psalm 107, we get another long one here before a little respite in Psalm 108, a little bit of a, a shorter one, uh, but Psalm 107 is just uh, thankfulness for God's mercies and just reminded of how good it is for us to be thankful to God and, and how it can help us just when we're feeling stagnant, when we're feeling dry, when we're feeling distant, just being reminded to, to stop and say, how can we give thanks to God?
1: Um, Pause. Pastor PJ, what are you thankful to the Lord for right now? Right now? Yeah, what am right I thankful now. to the Lord for? Yeah,
0: Oof. I'm thankful just his mercies over the last two weeks at our church. I mean, just church seeing launch, yeah. him doing things with our launch. And then last week, just encouraging, right? I mean, it was just, it's cool to see our church come together the way it does. I mean, just think about it. A month and a half ago. None of us knew how to do any of this as far as taking a gymnasium and turn it into a church. That's true. And we all were getting together and going, okay, let's do this. How do we do this? For the common good of seeing people be able to come and worship the Lord. And so we've got an awesome team of people. I'm thankful for how God has responded to our church over the last, not just two weeks, but 14 that we've been out here, 15 that we've been out here. I was talking to somebody at lunch today. I was like, you were there with us at our first you know, Sunday evening service where we were like, yeah, we got
1: 35 people, right? <laughs> so... Man, it's, yeah. it's been cool. It's been cool. You? I thank the Lord for the people that we came out with. I think that's been an enormous help and comfort to my soul. And I, mm. I can't, I, I mean, I haven't felt a lot of homesickness here, and I attribute that to being with so many people that came out with us from California that have kind of filled my love tank and yeah. made this a lot easier for me and my family. So I'm super thankful to the Lord for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I have started over in ministry multiple times in different churches, and I Tough. trust in the Lord that we're done with that. But God willing. Um Yeah. And it is, it is hard to walk as welcoming as, as other believers are when we go someplace that, you know, we don't know anyone and there's that common bond that you have in Christ. it, it It's different. It's certainly different. Yep. And that is a good one to be thankful for. That's right. So Psalm 107, the psalmist is going to go on to talk in verses four through 32 there about God's just uh, mercies to deliver Israel time and time and time again, um, and his kindness to them in verse six, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress verse 9 four, he satisfies the longing soul the hungry soul he fills with good things so what a what a great verse that is we've talked about promises and whether or not we can claim certain promises as our own church this is one that you can claim as your own this is true of god's character he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things now just like we talked about in romans 8 i think it's important for us to remember that he gets to define what is good we don't get to define what is good and, and that's a that's a good thing because he is the epitome of that, which is good. So we in our fallen minds might think, well, this is what's good for me and this is what I long for. But God is going to fill us with the things that he has said are truly good. Yeah, It and reminds him.
1: me of Jesus saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for yeah. they shall be filled.
0: Yep. Yep. Promises to hold on to. Yep. Uh, how about verse 14? I wrote gospel next to this verse, even though the psalmist didn't have that necessarily in mind, but I, it took my, my mind there as I read it, he brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Boom. That's, That's the gospel cross, bomb. right? Yeah. Yeah. That is the cross right there. That the, the darkness of sin, the shadow of death, the wages of sin, bursting our bonds apart. We talked about that in Romans six, being mm-hmm. set free from sin. And that is, that has the gospel written all over it and so down through verse 32, just extolling the, the goodness and the, the mercies of God to the people of Israel. And then in verses 33 through 42, he continues on that, but he also touches on some of the consequences for sinful behavior. Um, he, uh, he lets the hungry soul dwell. There's his, his mercy, and they establish a city to live in in verse 36. Uh, but if we keep going here, he pours out contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless ways. So those that are prideful, those that are arrogant. Uh, but then in verse 41, he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes the families like flocks, the upright see it and are glad.
1: And so Psalm 107 just
0: is this cadence of, of remembering God's mercy and being thankful for his mercies and his grace in the life of the people of Israel.
1: Yeah, don't miss the repetition. I'm sure you saw it, but let's just point it out. It's obvious, and I want to be sure that you're good Bible students and observing these things. Uh, verse 6, they Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. You keep an eye out for that. You'll see that repeated multiple times. They cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. So you'll see that in verse 13 and verse 19 and verse 28. Um, and then you'll see the response in verse 15. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. And that's repeated in Verse 21, uh, verse 31. So you see some of the, uh, the structure built into the text here, actually verses six and eight is where you first see this laid out. So pay attention to those markers. Those are helpful things to give you a sense of what the Psalmist is trying to do what his point and his intention is in writing the Psalm. Pay attention to repeated words and phrases. They don't have bold and underline and italics like we do but they did have repetition and that was used very intentionally. Mm. Psalm 108. We get into a
0: Psalm of David is, uh, David's back. He's back on the scene.
1: Yes, who's back?
0: David's back. Uh, by the way, we didn't mention it, but if you're interested in such things, these Psalm one hundred seven to one hundred eight begin Book five of the Psalms. So five, last one. Yep, last book. Well, David is here in Psalm one hundred eight, and he's uh, he's repeating a lot of what he wrote in Psalm fifty-seven and Psalm sixty. And so some of those same themes are coming back, which remind us that you know it's it's right and it's good for us to be praising God for the same things at different times and seasons in our life. It's not as though you praise him for something and it's like, okay, I'm done with that now. Well, I don't done. have to do that. Let's move on. Um, but it's it's appropriate. It's good to to return to these same themes and, and exalt him and praise him. And, and as I was just reading this, when he says in verse three and four, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations for your steadfast love is great above the heavens and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Mm-hmm. Think about the, the the peoples and the nations. How about we start just, with our dinner tables, how about we start with our our, our neighborhoods, our communities, our, our our people that we interact with at work? Let's be constant to to exalt God and give God glory when we have our opportunities to give God glory. Like if you get a promotion at work and you get congratulations thrown your way from your coworkers, that's great. But make sure that you use that opportunity to say, "Hey, man, I'm I'm just I'm thankful that God put me in the position that He's put me in." even a little turner phrase like that can make it clear that hey man this isn't about me I'm grateful because God is the one that gets the glory for what is going on right now
1: why do you think Christians get so timid when it comes to being open and overtly Christian what's about what it is about that we were talking about it last week and, and you gave me the the helpful illustration
0: that you used this past Sunday in my sermon but I think it's because we're afraid of being the Ned Flanders I think it's it's we have bought into ourselves the stereotype that is the Christian that nobody wants to be around, yeah. and that we think as soon as we open our mouth and mention God or Jesus that here come the eye rolls and here come the yeah. you know the the oh I gotta go I gotta go wash my dog's hair kind of <laughs> excuses that somebody's <laughs> just dying anything to away from at me. all right right, but you know I th- I I think there's it, we're doing ourselves I think we're cutting our our own feet out from under us I, I think there's far more openness than what we might fear uh there being out there or the lack of being out there i think if we're willing to put it out there i think people will will track with us maybe even ask questions of us mm-hmm. or um, like the promotion situation maybe somebody would say hey congrats your hard work man that's awesome that it finally paid off and, and if your response is well you know i i just thank god for doing this for me i i, I really am not here to take the credit for it i, I want got to get the glory for that you may get just even the incredulous pushback what do you mean like you put in the long hours you did the hard work you were leading the project on this you did this like it's okay to 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 be prideful in that or to to give yourself an attaboy and then you have an opportunity to to again point to god and exalt god and exalt jesus in that so i don't think we need to, to fear but i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've bought into the stereotype
1: of the world I wonder if there's a a part of us too, and I'm sure there's a spiritual warfare warfare element where there's demonic forces that are seeking to keep us quiet. But there's also that if if someone said to you, pastor PJ, Oh, I I got this great promotion and you're like, Hey, great job, you know, so-and-so. And and they said something like, Oh, well, I I thank Krishna for this. You know, I I thank my God or so-and-so. I think there would be a bit of like, Oh, Oh, okay, cool. Good for you. I mean, I could understand how some people might respond in a way that's, less than excited because they'd be confused, but I don't know how to respond to this. This right. doesn't happen very right. often. Right. Maybe not. Maybe not. They're they're not angry or they're concerned or frustrated, but it's just like, I don't know how to respond to that anymore.
0: Right. And and maybe you're not going to get the, maybe that is the response you get, but it's seasoning your life with evidences of your faith in God, which if that person then down the road has something happen and they think, man, I don't know where to turn maybe I do need to, to figure out this God thing. They're going to know, Oh, this person over here, they're always talking about God. They're yeah. always referencing God. I can go to them and ask them the question that I have, or they probably go to church somewhere. I need to go find
1: out more about what, what their church is like and where they're going. That's a great point. And I think that speaks to our, our being willing to be open, to be, to give thanks among the peoples and to sing praises among the nations. Right. Right. Well, how about we get to the cliffhanger in Romans 15?
0: Okay. From yesterday. I'm ready. Cause we cut off in verse 20. I know. What happens? What happens in Romans 15?
1: Verse 21. I My know. guess is some people read right ahead. They better not. They, you
0: better not have. You should have a black piece of construction paper that you covers read everything and covers else. everything else so that you don't know until you get there. That's right. Not until we can tell you what it says. Yeah, well, verse 21, <laughs> he quotes from the Old Testament here, and he says here, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And And again, this is... Coming out of the context of this has been God's plan the whole time through for this, that that the gospel was going to be able to get to the Gentiles. that The Gentiles were going to be brought into the people of God and become a part of it. And so Paul is attempting to establish that precedent and also saying that that was part of his ambition. That was why he wanted to go do this. He's trying to fulfill God's promises and God's prophecies to say there are people that need to hear about God that have never heard about him and, and God has a plan to bring them in. And so that's what he had been about and to this point. But he wanted to see the people there in Rome. And it's interesting, right? Because he's writing this passionate letter to them, and he's laying his heart out there. Romans nine. Think about that, right? And he's he's going so deep, and yet he he doesn't he doesn't know these people. He's never met them before, not yet, right? Yeah. And so he's he's pleading, he's enc- encouraging, exhorting. He's probably heard about different reports from them as people have traveled back and forth to him and given him these reports, but. He wants to be there. And that's what he's communicating there in uh, chapter 15, verses 22 and following. He said, man, I, I have often been hindered from coming to you. Acts chapter 16, we saw some of that. Acts chapter 19, verse 21, he, he wanted to go and he planned to go, but first he had to take this gift, remember, to Jerusalem that he ends up talking about here in Romans 15 that's and trying right. to make that, that pit stop there. So we saw that in Acts chapter 15 and now we're reading about it here, or Acts chapter 19 rather, and now we're reading about it here in, in Romans chapter 15. Um, Paul needed to stop by Jerusalem with the gift that he had for them, and then he was going to try to make it uh, ultimately to Rome, which we know because we read the the rest of it that uh,
1: that that he makes it would end up happening and taking place. So help me with this one here. I, I was reading through verse twenty seven, and I'm thinking, wow, he puts it so strongly. Paul does. He says, "For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings that of the Jews, mm-hmm. the Gentiles ought also to be of service to the." the Jews in material blessings. In other words, uh, it's right and good for you to, to give alms, to give money to the Jerusalem church because you're benefiting from their spiritual heritage. Right. Is there any sense in which we are still obligated I mean, spiritually or otherwise to support the Jewish people? I think spiritually. Yes. I mean, I think even
0: as we've talked about dispensationalism, right? We right. have, we have a, a concept and a confidence that God is not done with Israel mm-hmm. and that there's a future for them and so we need to be praying for what's going on there. We need to be praying for peace in that region so that, you know, God's city Zion Jerusalem is preserved. There's there's things that are going to take place on the eschatological timeline that need to take place before the end comes. And so, um, you know, we trust as, as the church because of the rapture that we won't be here for the majority of that, but God still has a, a, a plan and a future for his people Israel. Not only that, he still has a remnant, remember right now, that uh, right. that have not bowed the knee that might bow the knee. And so pray for those in Israel to come to know Jesus as their Messiah. Pray for Zechariah 14 in the, the opening up of the, the fountain of blessing to, to come to fruition even now for some, though the ultimate f- fulfillment of that will be yet future.
1: We can be praying for them absolutely on that should we seek out ministries where we can give to israel to, to jewish christians jews for jesus something like that I, I
0: think that that the what we see in scripture the priority for for the believer needs to be first to give to his local church and then beyond that to support your discretion missions and at yeah. your discretion so yeah if, if that's a passion of yours and you're giving to the local church and then you say man i've got i've got additional income that I'd like to, to give from, then yes, I think that's appropriate.
1: So long as you can be confident that what you're giving to is going to promote a biblical gospel. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I really loved verse 30 uh, where Paul says that he wants them, the Romans to strive together with him in their prayers. Uh, Pastor PJ, talk to us about prayer and, and how striving should look. How does that, should I be extra passionate when I pray? Does that mean I'm just extra focused? How do I strive with someone in prayer? Yeah, I, I
0: booing their labors so to speak in our prayers Uh, it's it's we are yeah we are passionate but it's not that there's an extra degree of fervor to where i yell louder when i pray or like jesus (laughs) you're sweating drops of blood you're going i'm not striving enough because i'm not no it's it's i'm going to be consistent i'm going to be faithful i'm going to be intentional i'm going to be specific Mm. i think those are good things Mm. um you want to write those down uh, to, to to focus on that that Hey, I'm I'm not going to give up every single day. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to set aside time. I'm going to be focused. I'm not going to be doing this distractedly. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be making sure that this is thoughtful, that I'm giving thought to the words that I'm speaking. And, and along those lines, I'm going to be specific. I'm going to ask specific things that God would do on this person's behalf as I'm striving together with them in what they're wanting to do.
1: Kind of helps us to see that pr- prayer is not a cakewalk. It's it's work. Real yes. prayer is, is effortful yes. and that, and that's okay. That That's prayer is not easy. And it—it's not necessarily supposed to be. Right. It's a spiritual endeavor that all of hell wants to prevent you from doing, mm. and therefore we should be okay with with prayer being hard. Yes. If it—if it, if you're distracted and you're having a difficult time, don't think you are un—you're un, unusual in this. All of us struggle with this. There's no temptation that's not common to man, right? First Corinthians ten thirteen. Um, this is a hard thing, and it's a good thing. It's worth the effort. Just like going to the gym and getting in shape is worth the effort, so is good heartfelt prayer. Yep. Yep. And that's Romans 15. That's it. Romans 16,
0: we will pick up with tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hasta mañana. I'll be back.